Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show number 442. And today we're going to be talking about how communication creates and sustains engagement, particularly uh, in, in a hybrid world in which so many of us are now uh, operating. A little about Engage for Success before I introduce this week's guest. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement. We are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep in touch with what's going on and some of our many events and publications uh, that are available. I'm Jo Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts and managing director and founder of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. And I am a regular volunteer for the Engage with Success movement and sit on their core team. And as I say, one of the regular hosts of our weekly radio show now in its eighth year. And today I'm very pleased to welcome as our special guest, Elaine Bennett. Elaine is principal of BennettInc.com. She's a strategic messaging consultant and advises clients from Fortune 50 CEOs to entrepreneurs on their messaging. She creates and delivers training on how to improve the writing of everything from internal communication to speeches. Uh, Having begun her career on Wall Street over 25 years ago, as a speechwriter for the CEO of Salomon Brothers, um, when scandal forced the executive to resign, Warren Buffett stepped in as interim CEO and became Elaine's newest client. So I'm sure she's going to have some interesting stories to pepper uh, our show with today. Um, so welcome, Elaine. Um, welcome to today's show. And we're going to be talking about engagement in a hybrid world, um, because obviously if your employees aren't engaged with their work, they won't stay your employees for long. Everyone's talking about the great resignation, of course. Um, How do you create and sustain engagement when your workforce may be physically scattered? And of course, as we were just discussing before we went live, communication is very much the key to that. Um, And we want to be talking about how do you make that communication effective? So welcome, Elaine. Good to have you you with us. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. You know, I love the hybrid world because... It, it thrives on the thing that I love, which is communication, which is language and also videos, pictures, all of that. Yes. But, you know, because when you're not face-to-face with people, you have to listen to them and you have uh-huh. to speak to them. And those uh-huh. are skills that in the past leaders may have been able to skate by without I'm the CEO. This is how I say we do it. Oh, okay. We'll do it that way. Um, You can't, you can't force people to do something. You can't, you can't um, urge them to do something. You have to convince them to do what you want them to do. You have to, you have to get them 
to have have some skin in the game to to have have a, a stake a personal stake in in the work that you're doing in the work that they're doing um yeah. and the best way to do that is to communicate and and, and it's inter- one of the things i i want to ask you about in a moment um is what the impact of the pandemic and and the long periods that that some roles and some organizations have working from home have had on, on communication, how that changed as a result, uh, in your view. But b- before we get on to that, tell us a little bit about your, your story, Elaine. Tell, tell okay. me, what's, the, what's, your, what's your journey been to, to today? Well, my, my story begins long ago in the late 20th century when... <laughs> uh, so we remember that. Oh yes, that if you, if some of your listeners may may find that in their history books, but um, <laughs> I was working at Solomon Brothers, and I and and I was not. I mean, I was not invested in the work of Solomon Brothers. I didn't know much about Wall Street at the time, and wasn't really interested. I had been a theater major at college, and um, and so. But but the, uh, they sent me to the, the the agency I was signed up with sent me to the corporate communications department at Solomon and they kept trying to hire me full time and I kept saying no and then one day they came to me and they said our CEO is going to go out and do some public speaking do you know how to write a speech and I had never written a speech before in my life. But I had taken one semester of playwriting class at college, so I'd written monologues, which are kind so of like speeches. <laughs> so, uh, and but I also recognized that that is not the question. Do you want to write for our CEO? Is not a question somebody's going to ask you twice. No. So I said, of course I know how to write a speech. And my boss understood that I didn't know anything about the business at that time. So he paired me up with someone who did and who, who became my mentor. And, mm-hmm. and I learned how to write a speech by writing speeches and, and listening to and reading and, you know, all of that. Uh, but, but because uh, the company shot itself in the foot and several other appendages and nearly went out of business, and Warren Warren came in and said, as the largest shareholder and said, I'll fix things. And because he has an impeccable reputation, they allowed him to. And so all of a sudden, he was my client. And I had to write something for him, as is often the case. I, I've often written for people before I've met them. But usually I ask for, you know, some video these days or some, some, some sample of their own writing. Well, I had samples of Warren's voice because we had all of his annual reports in our office. And I had been reading them in my spare time for months just, just because they're well-written and I wanted to get a sense of, of that. And so I already had his voice in my head when I started writing for him and I wrote this thing and I sent it out with my office number on it because this was so long ago we didn't have email and <laughs> um and the next day my phone rang and it was Warren and he said did you write this thing and I said y- y- yes sir I did <laughs> and he said it sounds like I wrote it and I said well sir that's my job 
and that was the beginning of a really lovely working relationship. Um, yes. So that's my that's my big Warren Buffett story. My yeah. my my origin story as a speechwriter. Excellent. Excellent, lovely, and it, you know it's interesting. I, 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 I'm kind of going to jump ahead a little bit now, but one of the things that people talk about, um, particularly people working in internal communication, is when they write things for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that people talked about during the pandemic was that actually CEOs and leaders began to talk with a newfound authenticity. And in a way, it seems a shame that they we needed a pandemic to help people find their own voice. It seems to me. Um, And actually, that story you've just been telling, people should always, if you were going to write for somebody, you should always, should you not, be trying to write in their voice so that whoever it is would have said to them what Warren Buffet said to you. Absolutely. There's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that people shy away from speechwriters. And it's really, really makes me sad because they think if someone else writes it, it can't sound like it's authentically me. Maybe Mm. often it doesn't, but, Mm. but it should. And that's, yeah. That's your job as a speechwriter is to capture the voice of the person. So one one way that you can start to learn to do that, um, I mean, I think my my ear was always set up like that, but um, is is get a video of or you know uh, a recording of the person who you're going to be writing for, and and transcribe their speech. Sit there and type it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that will get the, their words into your fingers and from your fingers into your ears. Um, And, and that's, you know, so maybe, maybe transcribe one speech, maybe transcribe a couple, but you will eventually, you know, and listen to them more, listen to them frequently and you'll get the idea. And that doesn't just apply to speeches, I think, does it? I mean, if you, I'm think what I'm thinking here is of the the weekly or monthly yep. CEO newsletter or the yep. weekly or monthly CEO bulletin. That yeah. um, very often people will say, "Oh no, I must write it myself because it needs to sound as if it's come from me." Yeah. But they're not mutually exclu- exclusive. What you're saying, they, it could still be written by someone else and still sound like you. So um, Ray Charles's autobiography, first, first, no, maybe only autobiography. It's called Brother Ray, and you pick up that book, and it sounds like Ray Charles is talking to you. And the the way that happened was he had a ghostwriter, and he told all his stories to the ghostwriter. And the ghostwriter is a very accomplished uh, musical ghostwriter, and he wrote the story. And he gave it to Ray, and Ray said, oh, this isn't how I would say that. And he went through the entire book and rephrased it in his words. And sometimes that's very raw, but it absolutely is Ray Charles. Um, Your CEO might not have the time or the patience to do that, although obviously a newsletter is a lot shorter than an autobiography. But, Mm. but, But if you find someone who is willing to do that at first for the first month or two, you will be able to, to get it. 
Yeah. Um, you know, by month by month three, you'll have you'll see. Oh, if I say we're gonna we're gonna tackle this, the CEO really wants to say we're gonna you know buckle down or something. You can um, you can get 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 into their head that way. It just takes language. a little time and patience and their language. Yeah. And it, so it's a, it's a worthwhile investment on their part because on the CEO's part or the lead whatever whoever it is yeah. that you might be yeah. writing for because once you've once they've done that initial upfront work with you you're then up and running um rather than them having to kind of constantly be doing it themselves yeah interesting now i wanted to pick up on one thing you when you were telling us as well you mentioned the fact that you had you had a mentor yes tell tell us about that was that was that was that important for you was that a sort of pivotal thing it was it was very important for me. He was um, he was in in many ways. He came from a maybe a similar background to me, but not uh, maybe a little a, a little more rough. But um, mm-hmm. but he came from a background where he didn't know anything about Wall Street, and he managed to find his way to Harvard, and then to business school, and then to to Solomon Brothers, and um, so he he brought a kind of groundedness to to the work. Um, you know, he was able to explain things to me. You know, the thing, one of the reasons I never went to business school, I chose not to go to business school, was that I I believe I am more valuable to my clients as someone who does not always understand business the business school jargon that they speak in. Mm-hmm. And so he had to explain the the business to me in a way that I could understand, and then I was able to under to explain it to the you know the readers or the the audiences in the speeches that I wrote. Um, so and and he he is still still my mentor. We we meet up about once a year. Yeah, he's a great mm-hmm. guy and. Um, he he long ago left Solomon. Solomon doesn't exist anymore. But um, but he's gone on to be a, a CFO of a large company and then a venture capitalist. And so he's had a fascinating trajectory. And he's mm-hmm. always been very supportive of me and and other people from non traditional backgrounds as well. I wasn't I wasn't the only one. Um, I want to I want to bounce back to the CEO voice for a second. Because one of the things that one of the big mistakes that people always make because CEOs are so important, right? And okay. and newsletters are perceived to be not so important. So the CEO's chief of staff or some other underling will say, "Oh, this week she wants this month she wants to talk about X Y Z," and you can't. I always insist when people hire me to write their newsletters, I always insist on getting on the phone with uh, with the person for 15 minutes. If you can give me a half an hour, I can do, you know, three months worth of newsletters. But we need to find out where these business priorities that the CEO wants to talk about, where do they connect with them on a human level? And the chief mm-hmm. of staff cannot tell us that. So the more layers you have between your executive and the story that they're telling, the less valuable it will be. Mm-hmm. 
the more yeah, generic the, it will be. The, the less authentic, the more artificial yes. it will yes. be, more corporate speak. Yeah. And yeah. people okay. don't want to waste their time to read that stuff. No. Oh, this is no. just another thing filled with corporate jargon. No, no, no. If you, if you, um, have actual stories about the CEO and the way that they're living their life, the people are going to want to read about that. People also love reading about their colleagues. So if you mm. could profile another employee every month, you know, that, that gets everybody who knows that employee to read it and a bunch of other people who are interested in their fellow employees. And then they start to see that, you know, creative ideas are rewarded. It's one of your one of your enablers of engagement, right? Listening and yeah. hearing the corporate, the employee's voice, voice and encouraging creative ideas. So so the uh, profile of the employee is a really fabulous way to get that in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 weaving in stories, like the stories of the humanity stories from the CEO or from the employees, the color, the, the personal yeah. color, the personal details that can come in. Okay, so we've, we've, we're, we are um, romping through this and we haven't really got into the detail yet. So engagement in a hybrid world. Um, hybrid world wouldn't have come about if it hadn't have been for the pandemic. We would have taken yep. decades still of talking about it and decades of organizations saying it couldn't be done uh, but maybe it did you can and it take, happened maybe you can take an afternoon off once every two weeks you know yeah. and work from home but yeah, yeah exactly exactly so we want to get on to talking about engagement in a hybrid world so we wouldn't have got there without the pandemic so how did the pandemic change communication in the first place let's talk about that um, Elaine and then let's talk about some of the things that need to be done to make communication effective in a hybrid workplace well, I think that communication has become more uh, more frequent, right? Mm-hmm. You would have maybe a once a quarter a town hall meeting that you know people would pop into either you know at the office or maybe maybe zoom tele telecommute in from another office, but people would be in great groups um, and and you can still do that in a hybrid world, but you can also communicate much more frequently. And that keeps people engaged. And it also allows you to tell your stories and, and report your goals in, in smaller chunks. Because mm-hmm. as we all know, people these days have uh, short attention spans. And yeah. they don't like to read long things. God forbid you should scroll down in an email and not see it all on the first screen. Um, so, so when you communicate more frequently, you can you can communicate more concisely or more in a more focused manner about one thing, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful beautiful thing because the more you people always want to say everything at once. And the more you talk about, the more ideas you share, the less your audience will retain. So tell one good story about one of your organization's values or about one success that you've had in the last couple months or about one change you want people to make. And they will, they will be able to, to absorb that. And the reason you you probably know, your listeners probably know, but I'm going to say it anyway, the reason stories are important 
is that stories are the vehicle that put transports ideas into our heads. Yes. They, if you, if you tell a story, people will start it, thinking about it. If you give them a fact, they'll store it. Oh, 25% of people do X, Y, Z. Okay, I don't know how I can use that. But if you say, you know, one, one out of four of our customers tells us that I really like the way you're doing this because, or I really don't like the way you're doing this because, or, you know, I tried to go on our website to order some material just to see what the customer experience was like, and it was really more complicated than it should have been. Or mm-hmm. I think that we can make it less complicated. How can we do that? I'd love your, your feedback. Um, yeah. So stories open up the listener's mind. Facts close them, close it down. Really. Yeah. 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 It's that emotional connection versus the the, the sort of the rational, isn't it? Right. Well, I mean, everybody learns in different ways. So you will mm-hmm. have some people who can take a, a data point and understand what it means, but twenty five percent doesn't mean anything by itself. Yeah. So what's yeah. the story around that? Absolutely. So what are some of the things that we, you know, apart from the fact that communication has got more frequent, potentially more concise and, 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 and better for that, um, what are the things that we need to be doing differently to engage our people in a hybrid world compared to the old days, the pre-pandemic days? Yeah, well, I mean, I think being predictable is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people, people, nobody likes to open up their email in the morning and find 100 or 200 emails waiting, right? So if, if you're doing that um, and you're not going to, concentrate on the email from the CEO or the email from your line manager or whatever, you're going to concentrate on the, the clients who need you. And so, so to be predictable, you know, my Thursday thoughts or something. Um, yes. And, and, and also be, be human, uh, but be, be entertaining too. And I don't mean, you know, the joke of the week. I mean, something that relates authentically to the work that you're doing, tell a funny story. You know, the time you walked in ready for the, you know, casual Friday and discovered that a client was coming in and expecting a presentation, you know, talk, talk, talk about your, your small failures, your, the bumps along the road that humanizes you a lot I tell my clients when you can talk about your failures, it gives you permission to crow about your successes. Um, So, but be predictable, be regular, you know, no, if you need to, then if you need to send an emergency email, you know, we're expecting a a hurricane tomorrow, so don't come to work. um, People will not mind getting that communication. Um, but, but, yeah, Let, I think if you can, if you can develop some, some, you know, departments or subject headings that they will expect to see, people 
everybody's attracted by different things, right? As I just said, some people mm-hmm. like facts, some people like stories, some people are visual learners. So maybe you have a chart or maybe you have a, a piece of artwork that an employee's child has done, you know, um, some way, because you're not just connecting yourself to the employees, you need to connect the employees to each other. Mm-hmm. And where they used to be able to just, you know, lean over the cubicle or meet at the coffee uh, machine, they're, they're, they're missing that too. So find ways to connect their outside life, their non-work life with the work environment just the way they would have if they still had an office to go to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so... In, in a, would you say that effectively engaging in a hybrid world is any different from effectively engaging in the pre-hybrid world? Is it that we should always we should always have been doing these things? They would always have been powerful things. Or yes. are some of these things very very different. We're in a hybrid world. Do you see, do you see my point? No, I'm trying to no, understand. I, we, I, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel. I think we just need to understand that we need to use the wheel. Right. Yes. And we need to use the wheel more often in a hybrid yes. world than perhaps we did before. Or, or equally, we perhaps should have been doing this more often before, and we, now we've been sort of forced into doing it, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let me just so, quickly so tell what you. Are the, what, are the, um, what are the things that people have traditionally done really badly you know what are the your what are your Mm -hmm. pet hates when it comes to communication where you sort of see it and it's like oh no why are you doing that or why are you saying it it sounds like if it sounds like it's a report to the shareholders but you're talking to your employees you know Mm -hmm. speak and you said that people are finding themselves speaking more authentically now um and that Again, it should have been going on all the time, but, you know, think of it as a conversation with your audience, whether you're, you know, whether it's a newsletter or an all hands Zoom call or whatever it is, you're talking to people. So talk like a human being. Don't use jargon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the minute, the minute somebody has to stop and think, wait, what was that she just said? Mm. That phrase she used, what does it actually mean? The yeah. minute people have to start doing simultaneous translation, you have lost them. Yes, yes. So, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, Elaine. I was, um, I was chairing an event or hosting an a industry conference a couple of weeks ago, and after one of the speakers, one of the delegates came up to me and said, would you mind asking the speakers to avoid using acronyms? Yep. Because... I didn't know what blah, 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 blah yeah. was. And I said, no, I, I, I knew what it was, but I suspect an awful lot of people didn't. And, and, and if you've actually come up and asked and told me, yep. then you're the tip of the iceberg. The likelihood is that most of the audience didn't know what that, jug, that acronym blah, yeah. blah, blah was. So it was, yeah. I was really you know, grateful that she'd come up and spoken to me because I was then able to say to other speakers, you know, please don't use acronyms because yeah. we you know it's it's a it's a shorthand that is it has has a, a very limited um, audience really doesn't it yes yes yeah for sure so um 
Okay. So if there was one thing, I mean, you were talking, you were talking earlier about your one thing, you know, you focus on one thing. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to throw that back to you, Elaine, oh, in, no. the, in the couple of minutes that we have remaining. Um, if there was one thing that our listeners should take away and think about applying in communication in a hybrid world to better engage their people, uh, what would that one thing be? You know, I am I am very impressed with the four enablers of uh, engagement that Engage for Success has articulated. So mm -hmm. uh, although they are four things, I would say go back to those because that's really the foundation of what you need to do in any modality of communication. Um, you need to have a strong narrative. You need mm -hmm. to tell stories. I think you've noticed I've told stories today. You have indeed. You have indeed, um, yeah. You need to be able to listen to what people want and and then and listen to what what they're telling you. Um, you know the the two ears one mouth uh, mm -hmm. cliche, and yeah. encourage encourage the creative ideas that bubble up. Encourage creativity to bubble up. There is nothing worse than um, than trying to be creative. Oh, I had a client do this to me. Oh, well, we don't do it that way. Well, right. but you've hired me to do something different than the way you usually do it. Oh, but yeah, we don't do it that way. So don't ever say that. You can always yeah. change. I mean, unless yeah. it's something that needs to be done in the next 30 seconds, you can redo it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have integrity. Yes, and have integrity in terms of the our fourth enabler, the making your making sure that your words are not just words, but that they're matched by your actions. That's right. Yeah, Everything absolutely. you say should be something that you can stand behind. Excellent. Thank you. So true, honest, transparent, um, open. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, um, Elaine Bennett principal of bennettinc.com uh, for joining us today. Um, I feel we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg there with, with what we've been discussing. So thank you so much for your, for your insights. Thank you for listening to Engage with Success Radio. And uh, don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. Um, that's where you can also get in touch if you want to get involved in the movement. And of course, download any of our great resources um, and find out more about those four in that Elaine was talking about as well. So um, um, until next time, thank you very much. Thank you, Elaine, and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.